don't want to be smooth. You want to be clumsy. You want to have trouble. You want to look like this is hard for you. It's okay to look like this is uncomfortable. It's okay. This is a moment to really look human. This is the Leadership 480 Podcast. Hi, leaders, and welcome back to the Leadership 480 Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Alms, and today we're talking about a tough but really necessary topic, which is grief in the workplace. We're dedicating this episode to a team member of ours that we lost recently and unexpectedly, Brad Pedersen, who worked alongside us on this podcast and brought so much kindness and humor to our team. While we hope not to have to endure these tough moments at work, the reality is that most of us are touched by it at some point. And we know for you leaders out there, there's not a lot of guidance or advanced preparation on how to handle these difficult situations. So today we have a special guest with us, David Kessler, who is a grief expert and author and the founder of grief.com to talk with us about grief in the workplace. David, welcome to the show. So glad to be here with you. So let's start with one of the really tough questions I'll throw at you. As a manager, how do you start to talk to your own team and those outside of your team about the loss of an employee? Well, I think we have to remember we're setting the example. And so it's important, first and foremost, that the loss is acknowledged and that it's acknowledged as a big event in this person's life. You know, I I have a saying that, you know, no matter where you go in the work world, your parents are always there. It's like, you know, our leaders in work are our authority figures. and We want them to see when something huge happens in our life that what matters to us matters to them. So just acknowledging that this is a huge event in someone's life is so important. So David, tell me how you start to navigate some of these emotional conversations at work. You know, a lot of us um, often try to kind of have that professional attitude at work that might be different than how we're feeling at home or we're kind of keeping some emotions outside of the workplace, which isn't realistic in these in these conversations, but it can be uncomfortable. So how do you start to navigate those conversations as a leader? Well, if it's all right, before we get to the how, I'd love to talk about the why. Mm-hmm. And because there's a part of us that just feels like it's so uncomfortable. Maybe if we just avoid this, this would be better. Mm-hmm. And that's the worst thing to do. So the how is that, you know, we do so much in the workplace to help with employee engagement and loyalty. And often we don't understand when these moments come that someone has died in one of our team members' lives, it is one of the biggest moments of engagement for them and for other people to see how we handle this. This is really one of the signs that, you know, your leadership cares. So I always like to start with that, that know the importance of you addressing this. So when we get to the how do you do this, 
I remind people, this isn't a moment you want to be smooth. You know, so many people, even like, for instance, I teach physicians and physicians will say, help us be smooth in giving bad news. Mm -hmm. And I'll say to them, you don't want to be smooth. You want to be clumsy. You want to have trouble. You want to look like this is hard for you. It's okay to look like this is uncomfortable. So to leaders, I would say, it's okay. This is a moment to really look human. Yeah, I think that's such an important point that you're making, David, of that this is the moment for authenticity, not your not your polished professional uh, point of view coming across. This is this is kind of your moment. It's okay to show some emotions. So do you have any kind of tips or quote rules of grief about how you start to handle some of those conversations um, as they are highly emotional for people? Yeah, uh, let me give you some basics so that people sort of can sort of uh, hack these concepts, if you would. So one of the first things is to know, you know, we're all fixers. Oh, my gosh, I'm a fixer. If you give me a problem, I would love to give you three alternatives. I mean, that's here's three solutions for you to choose from. I love that. When it comes to death, it is unfixable. There is no way to make it better. And what people need is to be seen. I often say grief must be witnessed. They want to be seen and heard and listened to, but not given the silver lining or point out, you know, how things could have been worse. They just want to be seen. So the first thing we have to do is to listen. The second thing you want to be aware of is when someone shares their loss, it is that moment to see them and hear them, not to give our loss history. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many times we feel like when someone, there's a death that's occurred, we want to say to them, oh my gosh, I my mother died last year too. Let me tell you what happened. And I remember someone saying after their mother died once, that there's too many mothers going around. <laughs> like in that moment when your loved one dies, if your spouse, your child, your parent, your sibling, that's the only person you want to hear about. So it's completely okay to say, oh my gosh, Frank, I've, I've, I've dealt with loss myself and I really want to be here for you and put the attention right back on them. So that's important. And you know, to understand, to not, you know, there's what we call bright siding and mm -hmm. toxic positivity these days. There's no, you know, oh my goodness, it's so glad they, I'm so glad they died quickly. We don't want to say any of that. And in fact, I'll talk in a little bit about some of the best and worst things to say. But I think it's just important we allow them to listen. We just allow them to talk and to listen. So let's explore that a little bit, David, um, of some of the best and, and worst things to say, especially on those sides of, you know, we all have some things we're kind of inclined to say or it's instinct to say in the, in the moment. Um, but especially as a leader, your your team might remember those words if, if you make a mistake there. So what are some of the things 
not to say? Well, some of the things to not say are, oh my goodness, at least she had a long life. You know, many people die young. Well, you know, if it's your mother who died at 90, you're still grieving her, even though people are dying young. Mm-hmm. Unless you're truly in like a religious organization, you want to stay away from things like they're in a better place. Number one, that might not be everyone's belief system. And sometimes you feel like the better place was here with me. Mm-hmm. You want to be careful with things like death by suicide addiction, even things like smoking, to not say, well, she brought this on herself. Yeah. You don't want to say platitudes like there's a reason for everything. Mm -hmm. I'm always like, yeah, what do you got? What what do you got? I I could use a good reason. Mm -hmm. You know, we also don't want to say like, my goodness, it's been this amount of time. Aren't you over them now? Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing is people aren't replaceable. We don't want to say you can get married again. You can still have another child. You don't want to say, I know how you feel because you actually don't. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to, you know, say things like, well, they did what they came here to do. It was their time to go. Mm-hmm. Or things like we need you to be strong. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the worst. I'll give you some of the best. <laughs> the better side of it. The better side. I'm so sorry for your loss. Another one is I wish I had the right words. Just know I care. Third one might be I I I don't know how you feel, but I'm here to help any way I can. Four, you and your loved one will be in my thoughts and prayers. Five, my favorite memory of your loved one is. And, you know, maybe they don't know them, but they can go, oh, my gosh, you know, Frank, I remember, you know, the time you came in and told us about, you know, your mother and father's anniversary. Mm -hmm. Or six, I'm always just a phone call away. My office is open to you. Um, Give a hug if that's appropriate. Uh, Eight, we all need help at times like this. I'm here for you. EAP's here for you. You know, or something like I come in early or I stay late, feel free to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes just say nothing, just be with the person. It's okay to say, my gosh, this is so big. This is such a huge thing you're dealing with. And I just want you to know I'm here. Mm-hmm. Those are really helpful. And I, I think too, um, so one question I have is around, you know, when it is a, a shared loss in the workplace, it's a coworker, it's somebody you all knew, um, something like that. How do you, um, you know, what kinds of conversations do you start to have at that point too? And, you know, some folks are going to be closer to the person, you know, they they were more than coworkers, they were good friends. Other people, um, you know, it's it's a coworker to them and, and maybe not a friend, but it is somebody that they saw every single day, maybe more. You know, you see your coworkers more than often your your own family and friends sometimes. Um, are there some things to say that are particularly helpful in those situations? Yeah, you, you certainly want to, you know, sometimes you might say, let's all have a, a little get together or chat or coffee or something in their honor or dinner or lunch, whatever it may be. Or I want to give people a chance to talk about this openly. And Mm -hmm. it's so important to, just like you said, to say, 
I realize we all had different levels of closeness. So we're not expecting everyone to have the same relationship because there might be someone who's like, I didn't know them. I'm so behind in my work. Why do I have to go to this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's okay if they don't go to this. But I also say sometimes the people who are in the most distress are the ones who will say, oh, I don't want to go to the get together. But you want to encourage them that, you know, I and, and I'll say also to that person who goes, I didn't know them. Why should I come to the get together or to the meeting or whatever it may be? Well, you know, this might be your time to give support because unfortunately someday you might be the person needing the support. Mm-hmm. So it's important to give time. You know, I always say grief needs dedicated time, but it doesn't need a lot. You know, and sometimes it's good to do this at the end of the day. So you're not saying to someone right after maybe people got emotional, like, okay, let's get back to work now. <laughs> right. You know, it's nice to sort of do it at the end. The other thing that I think is really important that we unknowingly do to people when someone does come back after they've had a huge loss in their life, we'll, we'll say things like, um, you know, it's okay. We, we were fine without you. We didn't need you. It's okay. <laughs> you know, but, and mm-hmm. we forget people actually want to feel needed and missed. So, you know, to say things like, you know, we're so glad you're back. We're here for you. And we certainly missed you. No one can do your job like you. Yes, yes. So there's no saying at this point, you know, it doesn't matter if you come into work or not. Don't even worry about it. It's take the time that you need, but we sure do miss you. Right. And we're happy to cover for you. And we want to make sure you have some time. And we miss you, you know, because so many times we're like, yeah, 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 no, no, we're fine without you. And people kind of feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm in grief and like I'm not even needed. Here's another basic thing to remember. It's the simplest thing we often say to people in grief, how are you? And even we feel a little ridiculous saying to someone after their child or their spouse died the next day or, you know, a week later, how are you? Of course, they're not good. So we find adding a time element. How are you doing today? How are you doing this afternoon? How are you doing right now? Sort of implies we know you're not in a good space, but we're checking in. I I love that. You know, you often don't know what to say. So you do ask, how are you? And um and, and that time bound of how are you doing right now at this moment is really um, a powerful tool, I think, for people to use. Um, and you you kind of brought up earlier that, you know, the idea of not telling people, like, how are you not over this yet? Or, you know, putting, you know, putting your time limit or end date on their grief. Um, so, you know, when you're dealing with this on your team and at work, there's, I know a lot of leaders out there are probably struggling with the balance of, you know, I don't want to bring something up that people are uncomfortable with, but at the same time, I want to check in. How how often and maybe how long do you, do you check in on your team and others and maybe mention the loss? Well, I think to consider, you know, 
most people mistakenly believe, oh, I'm going to check in for the first three days and then like we're going to pretend like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. I often will check in with people for the first month at different times. I also put a note on my calendar when you're going to hit the first anniversary. Because mm-hmm. that's often a challenging time. And I will say to people, you know, hey, Margaret, I'm just checking in with you. I know in a couple of days, it's, it's you know, the day that your husband passed last year. And I just want to remind you that, you know, we're here for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think another thing that, you know, we are talking about that it's helpful to know is that you also want to understand about timing of these questions. As a meeting is about to start, you don't want to say, Margaret, oh my gosh, I heard your husband died. How are you? All right, everyone, we're beginning. I mean, right. you sort of open Margaret, her emotions up or Frank's emotions up, and then the meeting's beginning and it's like awkward. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure when you ask those how are you today questions, how are you doing, you're doing it when the meeting's over. You're doing it when people can talk. Or you'll do it, you might say something like, you know, Frank, wow, I I, I heard, you know, the brutal news of your child dying. And I mean, you know, we're we're all here for you and take the time you need. We'll miss you, but we're here for you. And then when that person comes back to say to them, you know, I know this is really hard and I'm here and available just know I'm going to be pretty much in my office, you know, this afternoon if you'd like to drop by. And it's fine if you don't. I just want you to know I'm available to you. And just leave it in their hands of whether they want to talk or not. Mm-hmm. And you've brought up a little bit, David, some of the some of the moments where it seems tough because we're combining emotions and personal conversations with work. Um, and as as leaders, you know, there's a responsibility to still drive productivity because our business needs don't change, even though circumstances are really challenging uh, for people on the team. And especially when it's a shared loss by the entire team. So it's not just one person you can cover for, but um, folks are working with this through this together. So how do you start to handle the balance or what can you say to your team knowing that you've all got work to do and yet you're still definitely struggling at the same time? Well, you know, a few things. One of the things I want to caution people not to is I'm such a big, big um, advocate for meaning. And my last work, my last book was called Finding Meaning. Finding Mm -hmm. meaning is so important. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to do, okay, our coworker's dead. We've got so much to do. Let's all divvy their work up and do it in their honor. Mm-hmm. It just feels like we're trying to get productivity out of you through death. Mm-hmm. You rather say, oh my gosh, Frank's work, this project meant so much. Mm-hmm. How can we all work together? What's a plan we can come together? We don't want what Frank has done all these years to get thrown away. So how can we all make this work as a team? Uh, how can we make sure when this new person comes in, 
we don't tell them they've got to live up to Frank because they're not going to. Right. Um, and, and all those things that so many times there's a new person who's replacing the other person that we really want to give them. You know, we want to make it easier for them and let the team know no one's ever going to be able to do it the way Frank did it. And that's okay. I, I really like that focus on the on the impact, you know, focusing on, you know, we know how much meaning they had and, and what they were doing was so important. Um, you know, I think that probably goes a long way towards making other people feel good too about you know, knowing that their coworkers are thinking about what they do and, and appreciating them as well if if they were in these situations. But yeah, so we and, and, and one last thing I want to say about that is don't be afraid to be honest. I mean you know, we don't want to say, oh, my gosh, Frank is the most amazing, kind person we've ever had here. If Frank was a jerk to people, mm -hmm. I mean, we want to say things like, you know, no matter who you are, you mean something to us. And, you know, the term I always like to use is we loved Frank and we know Frank was a complicated person. Sure. I like to sort of say complicated person. You know, to do that, and um, or even if they had a relationship with the the company, the workplace, we say, well, you know, when I know Frank had a complicated relationship with the company, and he still, you know, showed up every day or whatever it may, you know, to be honest about it, not to pretend like Frank was amazing and the most wonderful. You know, it's okay to say things were complicated and we were trying to work through them. Oh, what an important point. I'm glad you added that on. Um, and that, you know, very, I don't think any of us are saints at work or, or any of our work lives are conflict free or anything like that. That's not the nature of it. Um, nor is it about being, you know, your, your coworker who, or the person that you lost being a perfect person, but, um, the specific things that they did to contribute and the value and meaning they brought, um, what a, what a great point to make sure you're highlighting that with the team so that it feels authentic and not, um, and not something unrealistic. So David, we talked about a couple of different kinds of grief of, of whether it's a coworker and then some situations too, where it may be someone who lost a family member outside of the workplace. But I wanted to ask a little bit too about another kind of grief, um, which might be a little bit more broad right now. And a lot of people are feeling this generally, um, and I'm talking about grief around changes at work, like big changes. Right now, we're seeing so much with people sort of mourning workplaces that no longer exist or that have changed dramatically. Um, you know, they miss seeing their coworkers and they might not recognize that some of the feelings that they're having are actually forms of grief. Um, so have you seen that coming out a bit and how do people deal with that kind of grief, especially as leaders? Yeah, it's interesting. Grief is a big word for a lot of different losses. Mm -hmm. And I think of them as big and little losses. I mean, obviously, the death of someone you love is one of the huge losses. But we have micro losses. You know, one of the things I miss in my workday is I miss transitions. You know, in the workplace, you and I would be walking to the meeting together. We'd chat on the way. We'd get to the meeting earlier. We'd, you know, then leave the meeting. We'd chat about the meeting. We'd chat about how's things going, Beth. I heard, you know, you had a loss or I'd share about my loss. 
and then we'd both go take a bathroom break and get coffee. I can't mm -hmm. tell you. I'm like, sometimes I have days where it's one Zoom to the next, and I'm trying to figure out like when to go to the bathroom. Right. We miss these transitions. Mm -hmm. And the other problem with this world is it is hard for you and I to have those chats we might have had before and after the meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, so now we do have to say, oh, Beth, you know, I, I, I do want to connect with you on something. Maybe I know you've had a loss or, you know, I've had a loss to go, Beth, I, I wonder if we could hop on a call right after this meeting because we're not going to be able to have that. So there is so much, you know, my goodness, I talk about how, um, you know, our work has come to our home life and it's just invaded it in so many ways for good and bad. Mm -hmm. So in some ways we've lost the boundary between work and home. Those are losses we've had besides the connection with people. And I think also we're going to see as more and more people get added to those of us who maybe once worked in person together, it is kind of harder for them to form relationships. You know, mm -hmm. you and I can remember the days we were in the office and, you know, but if someone's brand new, we only know them in this 20 minute Zoom meeting. There mm -hmm. is no getting to know you besides the minute we gave you to introduce yourself. Right. So there's all those little losses I don't think we take into consideration. And there's things like, oh, my gosh, you know, weddings being postponed. You know, think about how that affects days off. You take the days off for the wedding. Oh, no, it gets postponed. Oh, we got to do it again. You know, you're saying, wait, didn't your niece get married already? Well, remember <laughs> that was postponed last year. We're doing it again. It's the third. I mean, I know someone they've tried three times to get married. Mm -hmm. So there's all those kind of challenges these days. So giving people a little more, a little more slack and empathy on, on that side and making some time for special, for conversations and right. getting to uh, catch up with people is, is important for our leaders, I think, to remember. And one of the questions people often ask me about grief is they want to know which grief is the worst? Is it a child wow. dying? Is it a spouse dying? I always say the worst grief is your grief. Mm -hmm. So the truth is the person whose wedding has been canceled and they've been looking forward to that since they were five years old and planning it, that maybe is the worst grief they've had. And mm -hmm. that's okay. And we need to honor that. That's such a great reminder in the in the workplaces, especially right now when so many people are dealing with different aspects of it. Um, that that what they're dealing with right now might is is the one that's on their mind, and there's no oh well that was you know this one is less important than the other, or this person's dealing with this while and that's worse than the other. That's the comparison isn't important. What's important is giving everybody a little bit of space. And the other thing is, you know. Many of us now, we get glimpses into each other's home life more than we ever did. Mm -hmm. And we begin to see who's in the background sometimes. Oh, who's in the background? Our pets. So just know many times 
the death someone's going to be dealing with might be the loss of their pet, who they've had day in and day out for 17 years. Mm-hmm. That might be their worst loss. Mm-hmm. Those are those are tough ones. I'll tell you, my dog is is in the background here as we speak. So <laughs> that that is a I, I can't even go into that topic at all. <laughs> but, right. Um. So one of the things you were also mentioning, David, is you know these moments um, of how we react as leaders have such an impact on people. You know whether whether we handle things right or or whether we handle things wrong. Um, and you don't have to answer this about grief. It can be, but. One of the questions I ask all of our guests on this show is, can you share a moment of leadership that changed your life? Uh, whether it was somebody who inspired you because of the way they handled something in a leadership situation or made you say, hey, that's something I will never do that way. And I will change things when I'm in a leadership role. Yeah, uh, you know. Gosh, I, I, I've had some great leaders. You know, I, I, I would say um, the COO of a hospital system I worked at, you know, if you had a loss, she was going to be inviting you in and closing the door. You mm-hmm. knew that the door was going to get closed, that it was time dedicated to you, and that mm-hmm. she knew that this was different from the other meetings with the open doors. Mm -hmm. And it's just like little things like that. You know, can you talk to someone without your hand being on the doorknob when it comes to a loss? Mm -hmm. So it's those little things like her closing the door when it was that kind of meeting. Yes. is memorable. And I love too, when you say that that was a COO that, um, you know, sometimes there's these perceptions of higher levels of leadership. You know, they can't be bothered with these things or, or these side of things. But, you know, I'm sure that CEO had a million things to do with her time. Um, but the fact that she'd always make time for these important conversations with people uh, speaks volumes about her leadership style. But I will tell you, because I work closely with that COO and the CEO of that hospital system uh, in the C-suite, we're all together, is you know, so many employees in a hospital system, three hospital system, you're making sure for employee engagement, you're at Thanksgiving, you're dishing out the turkey, Mm -hmm. you're making sure you're trying to remember people's names. And to get when someone's had a loss, oh my gosh, such an important moment to share with them. That's what is memorable that the COO came up to you and said, Oh my goodness, I heard you had a loss. I've just, I've been thinking about you. I've been asking your manager how you're doing and you're important to us and I'm glad you're back. And there's anything we can help do to make this a little easier in your work life, let us know. Mm -hmm. It just sticks with people. Yeah. So that leadership at the top really is, it trickles all all the way down and resonates throughout um, the organization when they show that kind of compassion. So thank you, David, so much for being on the Leadership 480 podcast today. Your words are so insightful. And I hope for any of our audience who is listening, while I wish you didn't need it, I hope it's helpful for you. 
So thank you for taking part of your 480 minutes to be with us today. Oh, I appreciate that. And anyone who needs more resources, we have free resources, additional resources. You know, your EAP is great. And we have many at grief.com. Thank you so much, David. And to our leaders, remember to make every moment of leadership count.